What's the longest journey you've ever been on? Don't be afraid. Dave told me his. It took him 22 days by train to go around Europe. <laughs> Anyone else? Long journey. Normally, go for it. You went to New Zealand? How long did that take? 23 hours. By plane? But you were there in a day and you were done. Yeah. Um, why did you go to New Zealand? See, good reason to stay on a plane for 24 hours. You traveled around Europe, you wanted to see Europe, good reason to stay on a train for 22 days, yeah? Um, what would get you out of bed in your comfortable place, comfortable palace, to ride a camel for close to a month and a half? Bacon. <laughs> Bacon. The story of the wise men is always interesting, and every year when I approach this story, I learn something new. This is my new thing that I learned this year. Um, the word magi is Greek. It means wise man, and it's the root for the word magician. So these guys were the magicians, but not magicians like we think. If you can remember, we did a series on Daniel, and uh, uh, the, the, the king at the time calls all the magicians to try and interpret, to, to try and figure out the dream that he had and also its interpretation. He calls all of them. These were the wise men of the time, which included Daniel. He wasn't a magician. They were just people who had knowledge, people who did experiments, scientific and otherwise, people who understood the stars. They were magicians. So far from thinking these guys were kind of mystical people who just kind of decided, ooh, we're going to follow tea leaves to this, to this place, they were people who observed phenomena. They were people who observed things that took place and uh, were learned, had a history. So this journey would have been inspired by something that was logically sufficient to drive them out of their comfortable places to take them to wherever it is they were going to go. You with me? So who were they? Just question number one. They were just normal sort of intellectuals. Where were they? Um, I was reading about how people in Israel referred to the east, and they said the east, they were speaking about Mesopotamia, which means between two rivers. So when you hear like the psalm we looked at before, where you, you have the by the rivers of Babylon, you're talking about these two rivers um, between which this, this, this empire um, existed. Um, so Babylon will take you to the north of Iraq and that side coming down to Iran and coming down to Iraq. The distance from there to Bethlehem is far. It's far. And the route you'd have to take isn't as the crow flies I wish I had a map to show you, but it would take you north and then back down south to, to where um, Bethlehem is. So these were people who had grown up in the place where, again from Daniel, the Israelites would have been held in captivity. So what were they looking for? What were the signs they were looking for? Um, Another fascinating story that I love from scripture is the story of the day when the donkey spoke. If you ever have a time to read that, it's one of the funniest stories 
uh, ever. The man's beating his donkey and the donkey's talking to him and he's having a dialogue with his donkey and he doesn't realize that that's what's going on. And I don't think at any point in the story he stops to go, my donkey spoke. But this man had been hired to place a curse on Israel at a time when Israel were grumbling to God about how he wasn't doing one thing or another in the wilderness. And uh, God stops this man from putting a curse on Israel and in fact gives him a prophecy, a few actually, blessings towards Israel. And one of the things he says, you can find this in the book of Numbers, if you look at it again, uh, the story starts in Numbers 22. But this particular prophecy is in uh, chapter 24. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter, which is the king's hand, will rise out of Israel. Way, way back. Way back. And so by the time you meet Daniel in the uh, Babylonian captivity, there is the, the story of Jacob talking to his son Judah, saying, Judah, out of you will rise a king. There is the story of uh, Samuel talking to David, saying, David, God's not going to let your descendants um, leave the throne that he's set up for you. Someone of your family line is going to rise, and it's going to be this forever king, forever king, who is going to rule with peace. And in the Babylonian captivity, you'd have had Isaiah saying, he will be called Wonderful counselor, mighty God, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so it won't be strange to think that the, the wise men, the intellectuals of that age, would know about this prophecy, considering Daniel calculated for them, if you remember in our Daniel series, almost to the year when this child was to be born when this king was to come, after the empire of the Babylonians is washed away and the Medes and the Persians is washed away and the Greeks are washed away and then Rome comes into place. So they would be waiting for signs. And so when these normal people with this great wealth of history look at the times, something strange happens an abnormal star. Uh, you wouldn't get out of bed just for a star, wouldn't you? But if the star moved, you might just, you might just follow it. How this star is described is, is weird. It, it's a scientific anomaly. I've, I, I read through text after text of people trying to say it was this star and this planet sort of aligning and the light from them shining against each other made it look like this. But it moved and it stopped, and it moved and it stopped, and it moved and it stopped, and it moved and it stopped, which makes, uh, begs the question, how did they follow it during the day? They'd have had to stop and wait wherever they were for nighttime and then travel in the night. Who's ever traveled in the night in the desert? It's cold, isn't it? it it's, it's not the most comfortable journey. And the sun doesn't hide for too long. <laughs> so you have a short period of time. That's where the journey gets stretched. But this star would move and stop and move and stop and move and stop and move and stop. In biblical history, what did that? If not the pillar of fire and cloud of smoke in the wilderness, 
There was something leading these guys. There was something peculiar about the star tied to this prophecy that made them get out of bed, saddle up their camels, and head off. Long journey. Ordinary people, not an ordinary star. And then we find ourselves in Jerusalem. And this is where I, I find courage as uh, someone who's not a wise man. Yeah. They hadn't had the chance to read the prophecy uh, by Micah, which is cited in our reading, where it says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. So for these guys, they're just following the star to where Israel is because they know it's going to be a Jewish king. And they get there. Now, Israel at the time isn't the place you want to go walking around saying, where is that child who's been born to be king of the Jews? Where is that child who's been prophesied to rule over the world? Where is that child who's... Why? Because Caesar is still Caesar. And he refers to himself as the son of God. And he doesn't want any sedition. He doesn't want any rebellion. Herod, who is king of the Jews isn't of the line of David. So if you walk around in his city going, where is this person who's been born king of the Jews, a descendant of David, you're asking for trouble. You're sowing something in the conversation which is not good for the status quo. So they put their foot in it, didn't they? Where is this person who's been born king of the Jews? Where has this person been born king of the Jews? And the priests say to them, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. Yes, you've studied all this stuff, got you to this, you've come this far, but detour, he won't be born here, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and so Herod, what does he do, you guys are saying some stuff, bring them to me, let me talk to them secretly, go and find out where this child has been born, and then come back and tell me, why, because I am king, I am king, and there will be no other I am king, and there will be no other. And this is the point at which I enter the story, because I find myself at many points when God, by his spirit, says to me, this is not what you're supposed to do. Actually, here, forgiveness is the thing you're supposed to do. Here, stepping off your throne to serve is what you're supposed to do. Here, loving is what you're supposed to do. Even when it's tough, I find myself saying, I am king, I don't want any other. So they, they set off and they go to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, uh, you have this peculiar thing where we ruin the Christmas story for everybody. <laughs> they find Jesus in a house, not in the manger. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the star appears when Jesus is born. And these guys have traveled for at least three and a half weeks at most, probably about a month and a half. They find Mary and Joseph in a house in Bethlehem. Time has passed from the birth itself. Um, and they get there and they find this baby, perhaps better clothed, not around the smelly stuff, um, in his mom's arms probably. She's probably a month into working out what all that kerfuffle was. Things are just about starting to settle in. Um, those of you who've had children know that the first month Everybody wants to visit, and then like the second month, it's a few who visit, and then it peets out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? 
So she'll be in that phase where the guests have come and then they've kind of vanished and things are now starting to settle into the normality of someone crying all the time because they need feeding. Don't forget, Jesus was a baby like everybody else. She would have had no sleep. And then these guys arrive with their gifts and worshipping this child. And all of a sudden, maybe if she'd started to forget what had happened on Christmas Day, she's reminded of exactly who it is that is born. And so they give their gifts. And before they leave, they're warned in a dream. Don't go back to Herod. Don't go back to Herod. And I don't know about you. Do you just respond to dreams like that and do what the dream says? No. I, I think in their wisdom, they would have spotted the, 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 the difficulty of what they were saying to people in Jerusalem. They would have seen the vulnerability of this young family. And so when the dream comes, it just affirms for them that they should go a different way, back to where they came from, to the land between the two rivers. And so here we have this long, arduous journey, long, arduous journey. And T.S. Eliot finishes his, his poem, The Journey of the Magi, uh, by, by saying, uh, set, this, set this down. Did we come here for birth or death? There was a birth of that uncertain, but it felt like dying. It felt like dying. And they go back to the old dispensation, the places that they came from, uh, different and not the same, and confronted by the fact that the gods that everybody else is worshipping aren't okay, aren't the true God. They make the journey, they have an encounter, and they return different. So, we are on the precipice of a new year. And this story um, is sort of what begins our church calendar. We enter the season of Epiphany from next Sunday. So you have this Sunday to think on it, you have New Year's Day to come, and then you have next Sunday to pack your bags Strap your bootstraps, put your coat on. What will get you to shift in search of encounter with God? What will get you to move? What is the star for you in your life? I've already mentioned a few things. For me personally, there is that sense still in me this day where when God says to me, do this, I feel like doing this. And for that reason... I'll always say to myself, Dennis, arise, seek God. If there are questions still lingering about who this God is and, and why this child is so important, why don't you find an alpha course, come do the rewind course, um, speak to Richard or myself or someone in the staff team, bring those questions up, join a small group. You have to venture to the place you haven't been to before, which might be far away from the home that you are in, probably a month and a half's worth of work in the night following a weird star to the place where you encounter that thing that will give you a sense of peace with who you are. What will get you to shift? The year begins with epiphany because we begin our year knowing that the star is up there, the child has been born, and Easter is on the horizon, and we have a good gap to nurture this baby in our lives.
and, and allow them to grow. Allow them to become for us the man who will die on the cross for those bits of us that want us to be king and not God. To not be a barrier between the God who makes the longest journey to come and encounter us. The Magi. May God bless his word to us today. Amen.